0: The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. After Judas left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. Dear children, I am going to be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so also you are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Can you imagine if the person you love the most, the person who means more to you than anybody else in the world, suddenly said to you, I'm going away, and you can't come with me. Where I'm going, you cannot follow. Probably you find just the thought of that to be totally distasteful, and it's probably something you don't even want to imagine. Maybe the fact that we find that thought distasteful and unimaginable, maybe that could help us estimate the effect it must have on Jesus' disciples when he says to them, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. Where I am going, you cannot come. Now Jesus tells them this in the upper room where he celebrates the Passover with his disciples' So It is now just a matter of a few hours before Jesus' enemies will arrest him. Within a day, Jesus will die on the cross for the sins of the world. And the disciples will actually get to see Jesus again after that because he's going to rise triumphant on Easter morning and they will get to see Jesus risen from the dead. But just 40 quick days after that, Jesus will be ascending back to the side of his Father in heaven. He will be going to a place where his disciples will want to follow, but they will not be able to. And after those 40 days are over, they will look for Jesus, but they will no longer find him. So how do you think Jesus' disciples feel when he breaks this news to them? How would you feel? Maybe the first thought through our minds, maybe the first thought through their minds is this. Well, what do we do now? How do we carry on after Jesus is gone? How do we we go on living our lives? One of the magnificent things about having a God who became one of us, who took on human flesh, is that Jesus understands how people feel in situations like this because he became one of us and went through these types of situations himself. Jesus knows how disturbing and jarring this news must be to his disciples. He understands that they are wondering about what they should do, how they should live and carry on after Jesus is gone. So... He tells them, a new command I give you, love one another. That is what to do. That is how to carry on. That is how to live life after Jesus is gone. Very simply, love one another. And that is such a simple sentence to say. And it is such a challenging command to actually carry out. And just consider how these 12 disciples, now down to 11 because Jesus Judas has left, but consider how they have treated each other often over the three years that they have been following Jesus, bickering over which one of them was the greatest, arguing about the meaning of Jesus' words and the purpose of his mission. These are 11 disciples who have just been commanded to love one another, who need a lesson on how to do it. And Jesus is that living lesson in how to love. Their lesson in how to love perfectly is standing there right in front of their eyes, which is why Jesus says, Just as I have loved you, so also you are to love one another. This is how Jesus' followers are to love one another, just exactly the same way that Jesus has shown love for us. And how is that? Well, our Savior Jesus certainly does talk a great deal about love. Jesus speaks many loving words, but Jesus also works. He backs up his words of love with deeds. So, Jesus does not just say, God so loved the world, period. He tells us, God so loved the world, and then he explains to us right after that what the Father did to express his love. He sent his son to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus doesn't just say, God is love, full stop. He says those words, but then Jesus puts that love into motion. He voluntarily surrenders the throne of heaven, lowers himself to become one of us and walk with us in this broken world. He works for us, living the holy life that we have not to forgive our sins. He absorbs the insults and the punches and the thorns and the cross to save us from our sins. Jesus backs up words of love with works of love. And that is exactly how Jesus wants us to love one another. See, words of love are one thing, and they are important. Of course it is important for us to verbalize our love for one another, to speak words of care and concern. If that's all our love is, then it's phony and it's empty. St. John, who writes this gospel, he is there with Jesus in the upper room that night to hear Jesus give this new command. St. John has spent three years walking behind Jesus, watching all of his works of love. And the next day, St. John will be standing right under Jesus' cross as Jesus sheds his blood for the sins of the world. And several decades later, this same St. John wrote in his first letter, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions. Now we know very well from the experience of our lives that it is much easier to put love into motion for some people than it is for others. It is not that hard to work in love for someone who you consider to be a close friend. It's not too difficult to do it for a classmate who is popular and well-liked, or for someone who helped you while you were down. You know, it can almost be fun, it can almost be a pleasure to do chores in a home, or prepare a meal for a family when everybody is getting along and there's harmony and everybody's pitching in. We know it's not that hard to put love into motion in situations like that and for people like that, but What about showing this Christ-like love when the warm feelings aren't there for other people? It's not so easy then, and we don't do it so consistently. What about showing this kind of love to someone who considers you their enemy? Or to a classmate who is totally invisible to everybody else at your school? Or to someone who turned their back on you When you were down, or for a family that at the moment is acting like a bunch of quarreling and bickering ingrates. How do we manage then to show Jesus' kind of active love? Well, consider for a moment how Jesus must be feeling about his own disciples on this night before he dies. Right after Jesus gives them this command, he will take them out to the Garden of Gethsemane and he will ask, his three closest disciples to follow a very simple command. You stay here and stay awake and watch while I go over there and pray. Commandments don't get a whole lot easier than that. Jesus goes away, he comes back and he finds them not awake but sleeping. How do you think Jesus feels about those three disciples at that moment? Or later that night when his disciples run away and abandon him? How do you think Jesus feels then? Or When Peter finishes denying Jesus for the third time and the Gospels tell us that Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter, what kind of expression do you think was on our Savior's face at that moment? I think it is very safe to say that Jesus was quite frustrated, even angry with his disciples on this night before he died. And yet, the next day, Jesus went to the cross and he showed love for them by dying for their sins anyway. Jesus still showed love for lazy, treacherous disciples because Jesus' love is based on the divine determination of his own heart to show that love even when those on the receiving end do not deserve it, even when feelings towards those people are not quite so warm. And that is also very good news for us. Because do you think Jesus has very warm feelings toward you and me when we disregard his commandments like those three disciples in the garden or when we keep our mouths shut and deny Jesus, when we should speak up for him like St. Peter in that courtyard. Jesus is still determined to show his love to us even when we do not have it coming. He keeps us in the Christian faith even though we have turned our backs on God's word. He shows love and forgiveness for us even though we have disobeyed his commandments. Because Jesus has the determination of love in his own heart. It insists on showing itself even when the people receiving it don't deserve it. And this is what Jesus means when he tells us to love each other the same way. Of course there are times when Jesus' followers get on each other's nerves. Of course, there are times when Jesus' followers have personality conflicts, and sometimes Jesus' followers have long, complicated histories of friction and disagreement. But the love of Jesus in our hearts insists on showing itself, even when feelings are not warm, even when people on the other end do not deserve it. Now, of course, the unbelieving world around us plays by very different rules when it comes to showing love for other people. For one thing, the unbelieving world much prefers to show love with words only. It is just so much easier. It is so much less of a hassle to just send somebody a quick text message or say a few kind words than it is to actually get down and get your hands dirty and work for that person. And our unbelieving world has a pretty easy time showing love for a close friend, a considerate spouse an obedient child, a popular classmate. See, these are the people that I will work for. The ones who love me. The ones who show kindness to me, who have something to give me in return. But if that's all the love is, then it's empty. It's meaningless love, and it is not the kind of love that Jesus has for us. Sometimes, even as Jesus' people, we draw the same boundaries around our love as the unbelieving world around us. We have to be very careful not to let our world define what love is, but rather listen to our Savior and let Him define what love is. Sometimes we have failed to do that, which is another reason why Jesus came into this world with His perfect love. He did come to set us the perfect example for how to love one another. But even more importantly than that, Jesus came with that perfect love To forgive us. See, every time that Jesus stopped and took the time to heal the blind and the demon-possessed, every time Jesus befriended a tax collector or a prostitute, he was doing it for us to make up for the time that our love has been weak and worldly. Every time Jesus befriended the friendless and helped the helpless, he was doing it in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. And when Jesus went to the cross and showed love for lazy and treacherous disciples, it was not just for Peter, James, and John, for Andrew, Thomas, and the rest of the twelve. It was also for lazy and treacherous disciples who are sitting here this morning. That determined love of Jesus is for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And now, Jesus commands us to love each other the same way, and as he does, he calls the command a new one. Of course in one sense this command is very old. God has commanded his people to love one another from the beginning. So what does Jesus mean when he says that this command is new? Well one way it's new is that from now on Jesus' followers will be loving each other in the shadow of Jesus' cross. See these disciples are about to see love put on display on a level that nobody had ever seen before And nobody has ever seen since. So in that sense, the command is new. But it's also new because now Jesus gives the command a fresh purpose. He says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. If you have loved one another. Now there is a lot of talk right now in the Christian church about why it is so hard to get people on the outside. Why it is so hard to get unbelievers to even... Give Christianity a chance to even listen to what we have to say about our Savior Jesus. Pastors sit through evangelism and outreach workshops that never end. And believe me, I know of what I speak. They're just interminable. Every time, it's outreach and evangelism. Congregations pay big dollars to bring in growth gurus to set up evangelism programs for them. And still, the pews sit empty. What's going on? Why is it so hard to get people to even listen about Jesus our Savior? Well, maybe before we start setting up programs and hiring experts, we should start by listening very carefully to what our Savior Jesus tells us here. This is the least complicated and most effective outreach and evangelism program ever set up. Love one another. Loving each other with Jesus' kind of love is the way we show the unbelieving world around us that we are different and that we belong to someone and something special. Imagine if unbelievers saw Christians consistently, it's never going to be perfect because we're not perfect, but if unbelievers saw us consistently working for each other, putting in the effort and doing things for each other, even through times of friction and hard feelings. The world would know that we are different, that we have something special, and some in the world might even want to hear what we have to say. This was Jesus' plan. Show the world that you belong to me by showing my love to one another. And my fellow Christians, we can do this. We are capable of doing this. We can do it because of something Jesus said just before he gave his disciples this new command. God will also glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Remember, Jesus is just about to leave his disciples and go to a place where they cannot follow. But that place that Jesus is about to go is to the side of his heavenly Father. Jesus lives in the kingdom of heaven and he rules over all things, including our hearts, the hearts of his people. Jesus lives and he fills our hearts with his love, Every time we hear the good news of what Jesus has done to save us, He is filling our hearts with His love. He pours His love into our hearts so that it will then overflow to each other. Our Savior lives. He is glorified. He is ruling our hearts and filling them with His love so that we show it to each other and show the world that we are His. Amen.